Hi and welcome. You're listening to Get Into Your Skin podcast, where we talk anything and everything skincare and mental health. Each week, we will explore inner and outer beauty at the intersection of a medically informed point of view and the curiosity of skincare amateur. Speaking of which, I am one of your hosts, Isabel Uterius, here to ask the questions you, the audience, might have, especially the questions that you Google over and over and like can't figure out. Um, and this is our third episode, which is exciting. Um, and I'm excited to introduce my co-host, Dr. Kumar Naran, a medical doctor currently completing his dermatology residency in Chicago. He is a San Francisco native and board member of the Chicago Dermatology Society and an avid researcher in skin of color. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Super uh, excited. Yeah. How have you been? What's new? What's new? I officiated my best friend's wedding. That was, that's big. Uh, yeah, that's big. Yeah, that's something I never thought I'd do. Uh, I was uh, Father Kumar for the day, and it was very fun. It was, a, it was an outdoor vaccinated vineyard wedding, okay. um, and it was very fun. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of weddings um, because there was a full year where they didn't happen, so now they're all happening now. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, speaking of my sister's wedding in a month. Um, yeah. So today, today we're talking about the first step in anyone's skincare routine, just cleansing. Um, and it's a, it's a fun day to do this podcast because I committed one of the cardinal sins of skincare last night and uh -oh. fell asleep in my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't wash my face, just passed out and <laughs> like only wash my face at 7am. Um, but it's nice that, you know, I haven't done it in months, so. <laughs> I feel like those those nights remind us of the other nights that we need to do it. Yeah. Though I have never fallen asleep in makeup, so I would not know firsthand. Yeah. But do you always wash your face before going to sleep? I usually always wash my face before going to sleep. Yes. Usually yeah. always, as in yeah. not always. <laughs> yes. My, yeah. I will say there was, there was a lot of whiskey involved and that's my excuse. Um, not that it's a good excuse, but it is what it is. <laughs> You know, yeah, when a lot of whiskey is involved, usually maybe I won't wash my face, but nowadays I will. But I used to, without without fail, brush my teeth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I feel I feel very proud of myself when I get home drunk and like I still do the thing. It's crazy. Like I moisturize. Oh my god, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm just a skincare machine. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, um, I'm going to restate the skincare uh regimen that I described on episode one and we're just gonna do the day again because I feel yeah. like the night was too overwhelming but we'll eventually get to retinols and all of the stuff um yeah. but yeah like I said weeks and weeks ago my first step is cleansing and I do double cleansing I'm not sure why I've just read that it's good so I do micellar water And then I do a gentle cleanser, um, a foaming cleanser, which last time you raised your eyebrows out. So I'm going to ask you about that. Um, and then from there, I usually just do a toner, a moisturizing toner, then vitamin C serum, then moisturizer, 
um, and then sunscreen. And on some days I exfoliate, on some days I do the derma roller with the little um, needles that stab your face. Um, yeah. but, but most of the time it's just that, it's just the one. Um, and I guess diving into the topic of cleansers is we're supposed to clean our skin, our face more than our body or no. Cause like we're supposed to like wash our face twice a day. That, that's a good question right off the bat. <laughs> so, so there's no rules, no rules. I'll, I'll tell you, this goes for most of skincare is it's all voodoo and it's, no. it's all voodoo based in some type of truth, some type of historical tradition, and then a lot of marketing. And I, and I think it all comes together to what we accept. And I guess that's pretty much definition of society nowadays is to what we agree on. And I think the commonly accepted practice is two days, uh, two times a day. And then now with double cleanser. So I guess four levels of it. Right. Cause I have very much ingrained this idea that I wake up first thing I do is wash my face. And then at night, like I said, unless there's whiskey involved, I wash my face, then I go to sleep. But like, I truly just shower once a day. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe because why is our face grimy? Yeah, or is there something there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is there something there? You know, there's, there's no reason for your face to be grimier or to have more skin or layers or dirt than the rest of your body, especially the rest of your body, which is covered all the time and we sweat our face is pretty well taken care of and exposed and dried by air and um, I think we take good care of it but our face is also so representative of us and it's what we present to the world and it's so personal and I, and I think we spend a lot of time on our face and that's where all of skincare is like 95% of it's your face oh and then oh, I think 100% yeah I mean, not, and, yes, I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 100% not 90%. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and I think the 5%, they touch on other stuff, but skincare is so popular with the face and, and dermatology, I think covers that other, the rest of the body um, for more medical, but cosmetics is so face. And so, uh, so, okay. When you wash two times a day and you're doing the double cleanses, how you feel, how do you feel? Do you feel like you should be doing it? Do you feel like you like it? Your skin doesn't like it? Um, I feel like I do it because it's sort of like what I read that I'm supposed to do. Um, sometimes I think it dries out my skin, um, which is kind of something that I, we will talk a little bit about later, but it feels like it dries out my skin to wash it so much. And then I have to put on the moisturizing toner to moisturize it. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like it, it feels like yeah. I'm doing something and then putting another product to like reverse that. But I am more scared of like having a, a dirty face or like, I don't sure. know if um, like it'll make me break out so that I just like do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we are so scared of being dirty in our society. In Western society, there's a concentration on being clean and clean cuts, uh, nice and neat, wearing collars, wearing dresses, and keeping your face perfectly clean at all times, and your body too. And I, and I think, especially minorities, we were talking about this last time, that minorities, there's a lot of stigma with being clean. 
but we probably as a society most likely err on the side of washing too much washing too much because we don't need to be perfectly clean and it's impossible to be perfectly clean and i think we can we can take a step back and still accomplish the same goal. Kumar, how are you saying this in the age of COVID? <laughs> I know. I what if true. there is a COVID particle? <laughs> <on my face? laughs> no, yeah. I'm kidding. If COVID, I know, and, and but I think that's a great that's a great analogy. It's if COVID wants to get to you by climbing on your face, COVID will get to you no matter how many times you foam no. wash your face with micellar water. It's that's not <laughs> what's going to stop COVID, um, and so. Uh, that, but that's a really good question. So, okay. So now you started doing the cleansers twice a day and you're doing the micellar water. You feel like sometimes it dries out your skin. Do you feel like there's one part of that that dries out your skin? Is it the frequency or is it the things that you use? You know what I realized is more that, um, so I wash my face in the morning and then at night and then I shower after I work out kind of usually around like 3 PM or something like that. And all my face gets wet again. And then that's when I feel it really dry. And then I have to moisturize it again. So I feel like there's yeah. something about just water <laughs> that dries Absolutely. out. I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Water dries out your skin. But why? If it's humidity, I sleep with a humidifier. Does that mean I'm? Yes. So, so that's a great question. And so you sleep with a humidifier because water all around you will moisturize your skin that's it's it's like being a sponge and you're absorbing all the water yes but i want to wa- be a sponge <laughs> yeah but what water splashed on your face especially hot water splashed on your face or splashed on your body that opens up the skin and then you start losing water and then then there's just air there's no more water all around you in order to humidify or to uh, moisturize the skin and so you start drying up and pretty much think of evaporation is evaporating through the holes in your skin that you've opened up in order to clean your pores, but you've opened up and now you're losing water. And so you can, yes, you can get drier. And then also okay. the osmotic balance between water and what we have in our skin is different, but, but yes, water dries out your skin. Okay. pH comes into play. There's so many factors, but that's, that's a basis. Which makes sense. I was telling you off air that I've been crying a lot <laughs> and that it dries out my skin. So I guess tears are water. I don't know. That's, yeah, that's yeah, a very tear, emo tear. concern. I know. Tears are, I think tears are water of the soul. And yeah, it's, it's so drying. It, and I think not just on our face, but also with eczema, people love to shower, right? You know, we're talking about shower, washing our face twice a day. We don't even need to shower every day. That's also possibly a myth, right? That we can discuss. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me, okay. <laughs> now I definitely want to talk about that. So we shower every single day because society has pushed us that direction. And that's what I was taught as a kid in Western society. I think that's what most people are taught. You don't want to be dirty. And then we soap up and we make sure that we're very clean. And we make sure that we don't have BO. We make sure that we don't have bad breath. And, and that we have this obsession with odor and cleanliness. 
And I think, of course, you, you want to be presentable and you want to not offend uh, other people's airspaces with your personal uh, person, your body's personality, let's say. But at the same time, we don't need to scrub ourselves dry. And so when we have people come in for eczema, really dry skin, that's very itchy because it's so dry, they are showering usually 30 minutes a day, twice a day with super hot water and their skin is getting so dry and they're scrubbing themselves and they're using harsh soaps or alcohol or anything just to clean themselves. And it's just stripping the body of its natural layers and chemicals and oils. And you're left with this dry wood, this bark that has been stripped of all its nutrients. And, and so, yeah, water is drying. So say I, I'm deciding I'm not going to shower every day. Like, is it when I start smelling that I, oh, there he's. <laughs> that, um, it was like Batman. Rising. Yeah, my cat just like stretched and flew off. Into the, <laughs> um, is it like, is there any health concern with like not showering enough? Not showering up? No. Really, there, there is as far as the skin is concerned, right? And as far as I understand, any system that I don't think is affected more so than the skin, if not showering every day, there's no part of you that will get worse, or you'll start having increased death rate or infection or anything like that if you don't shower. You might smell bad. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. People might not want to stand next to you, but you you won't get hurt by it. Yeah. And no. So. It's- um, it's funny and not to bring it back to uh, vaginas, <laughs> but uh, I, I was prone to yeast infections and my gynecologist basically explained that like, there's no soap that should go in there. Like obviously not in there, but like not even around it. And it was just so shocking to me. Cause like, obviously there's all these messages about like, like having a clean vagina and then the jokes when we were in middle school were like oh if someone's vagina smells like disgusting or whatever like if we just grow up with this idea that like our vagina has to not smell like anything at all <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if it can smell like roses then we should wash it and she was explaining to me like water at the most and not even like inside it like it's a self-cleaning thing like I was like, what about this? Like, there's like this neutral dove. She's like, absolutely not. Like, and it's, it's, it's funny. Cause that just feels like such a more like delicate organ maybe, but you're saying like, mm-hmm. yeah, the skin should be kind of similar. Obviously. Yeah. The smell, if you're running around in dirt, you might want to like take that off. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh yeah, absolutely. I think if you are running around dirt or even if you work out, you definitely want to clean the skin. And if you're sweating, especially where your skin touches skin, skin folds. So underneath your armpits, in your groin, uh, if you have stomach folds or underneath your breast, all those areas, it holds on to dirt and skin longer than the rest because it okay. just doesn't have air to, to go out. But I, I think the, the vagina comparison is the best one, right? We, I, I don't even have one. And I <laughs> was conditioned when I was younger to, it, to think that it, it'll be like a flower and it's supposed to smell wonderful. And you see it in I don't know, cart- adult cartoons, uh, cartoons or movies and uh, imagery when we're younger, that it's supposed to be this magical, clean, 
<laughs> you know, thing yeah. that you take care of. And I don't think we have that same imagery around penises. No. Or that, I, I don't think I was ever told that that's Yeah, I was like, yeah, is. I'm not going to get graphic, but like, <laughs> like ball sweat. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. And it's real. And it's real. <laughs> Not to shame anybody out there, but it's like the expectation that vaginas should have no smell, which like a a normal vagina with a microbiome like that is living like smells like vagina, but you're supposed to smell like nothing. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And and the microbiome is huge, huge. And I'm a huge fan of the gut skin connection, gut body connection. I is I do think it is part of the future of medicine, and we're just starting to understand it. Wait, can you we explain know. what microbiome is? Because I like yes. know so that it's a word that I use to explain certain things, but I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and this is going to break some people's hearts, but nothing in this world, nor you, nor your skin, nor your gut is perfectly clean. Everything is covered in bacteria. And I, everything that you look at on a microscopic level, I think you would be scared to see how much is crawling around, but that is okay. That is what helps us survive. That is what protects us against other things that can hurt us like COVID is if we have a healthy microbiome um, and that protects our skin, that helps us heal. It's so many things. It could also cause problems when it overgrows or it becomes imbalanced like anything else. Like a yeast infection. (laughs) Exactly, like a yeast infection. And so when we have a gut microbiome, we know that when we use antibiotics, it scrubs the gut microbiomes. And we know that certain antibiotics scrub it a lot more than others. And that allows for super infections like C. diff that are terrible, terrible infections that can kill people just because the gut flora has been wiped out and now they have diarrhea until they die because they can't hold any nutrients. It's, it's absolutely insane uh, and scary and difficult to treat and it spreads like wildfire. And so it's because it's incredibly infectious. So that has to apply everywhere else, right? You scrub hard enough and you get rid of the stuff that is naturally good for us, naturally protecting us. What's left? What's left to protect you? And then you have an imbalance and you, you know anything in your life with an imbalance drives you nuts. And so- how can you do that and, and think that nothing is happening if you scrub really hard? There's got to be an end goal to that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I was reading about, and we'll talk more about this article, but there's this book called The Remarkable Life of the Skin by Monty Lyman. And he talks about exactly that, that there's like little mites on our faces that like just exist. I don't know. It, ugh. But he's basically yeah. saying like, we have this idea that the skin has to be a clean surface instead of like an environment and then compares it with the idea that everybody is in love with probiotics now like mm-hmm. especially women like it, it's in your yogurt and we take like I take like little gummy pro- probiotics because we know that it's important to have that like bacteria like mm-hmm. the flora and the fauna or whatever like in your gut in wherever but the skin no like we don't think about it that way that for some reason, we've made the jump to like, okay, we coexist with other organisms in these parts, but like still the idea that on our skin, it's like not appealing, <laughs> which like you can see Absolutely. on my face. I'm like, oh, just reading about these little mites that apparently have no anuses. So they just die from like eating the oil in your skin and they just die. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I, makes me want to scrub harder. Terrifying. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and it makes me think of two things. One, there are people who feel that sensation and it's real and there's delusions of parasitosis and I have patients with that. And to them, it feels real and they will scrub. They will scrub and they will treat. So what you're feeling is not rare. It is, I think, a common feeling. And to some people, it's very extreme. Uh, but too, it's like, yeah, absolutely. If we cannot be perfect, right. And we expect our skin to be so clean and reaching this hundred percent cleanliness and, and glass skin and all these terms that I, I think are very brainwashing and, and hurtful for people to live up to. It's the same expectations that we set on beauty standards and we set on fashion and it, it's not realistic and it's not healthy. And I think when we shoot for healthy skin, and we can make an analogy to a healthy person. Once you start, and I only started this recently coming into myself as a person, but once you start realizing that you are not perfect, you cannot scrub your past, you cannot scrub what you are capable of. And once you start embracing it, that's where you reach your true potential and your health and you're happy. And I think that's what we need to do with our skin. Okay, two questions. So one is, and we're going to talk more about acne later on, but there is this myth that I don't know how prevalent it is, but I definitely heard it, that if you don't wash um, properly or that like acne comes from like being dirty or not washing enough. Is there any truth to that at all? No truth. Okay. No truth. I, I will say that there is a, an interpretation of other findings that could lead you to that thought. So it's very reasonable. It is not a question of how dirty you are but you have a combination of the microbiome. You also have a combination of bacteria on your face and you have a combination of sweat that comes out of you. And the sweat that comes out of you is different in quality. So everybody thinks that uh, acne people have more sweat. They've looked at it. There are studies that show that it's the same amount of volume that comes out of an acne person's face and a non-acne person's face, but the quality of that sweat is different. And so it's mixed of different fats and that those fats are affected by your diet, right? If I eat McDonald's every single day and the next person is vegan every single day, we're going to produce different things, you know, junk in, junk out. And what we say is junk is, is up for debate with nutrition, but the least we could say McDonald's every single day, probably junk out. So in that sense, when we talk about greasiness, it's not about volume. It should be more so about quality. And so you're not necessarily dirty because you've been playing and stuff, but you've been collecting dead skin. If you've been playing a lot and if you've been eating poorly, you collect a lot of greasiness, quote unquote. And then the second one was what is parasitosis? What is parasitosis? Parasitosis, delusions of parasitosis is the belief that you have parasites or bugs crawling on you. And that belief changes your behavior and drives everything you do, almost everything you do in life. But is it connected to like, is it like a symptom of schizophrenia? Does it happen to people just with anxiety? Like, yeah, it's a good question. Like, Can it's I get it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. And nobody really knows. It's, it is, it, it's not a sequela of anxiety you're not gonna have anxiety one day and then wake up with delusions of parasitosis i hope 
Uh, <laughs> and schizophrenia is more disorganized. Delusions of parasitosis, they're, they're very functioning people who are very logical and they put everything together, but they will logic out perfectly how they have bugs growing on their skin. And so it's just that one delusion or that one idea that takes over and nobody knows why, but it's and super interesting and super pervasive. Really? Oh, like in a person's uh, life. Okay. Correct. In a person's okay. life. Yes. Not I thought it was very common. Um, <laughs> and you say delusions because it's not a hallucination. Like they don't see the bugs. They just have the idea that they have it. Right. Correct. Correct. So they, oftentimes do not see the bugs. I have, I do not have any patients who can see their bugs, um, but they can feel them. It's a, it's a oh. sensation. Oh, yeah. It reminds me, um, do you remember the movie, the mummy? <laughs> yeah. Oh there yeah. Those, those, those little bugs. Yeah. The beetles oh, that go those. under the skin. They traumatized me. I think I was like four when I saw that. And I was yeah. just like always grabbing my skin and just afraid that something would crawl into it. And, and that's my parents' <laughs> yeah. fault for taking me. <laughs> to see that movie when I was like a child but yeah I remember just being like so scared that something would crawl under my skin oh um, yeah yeah and there's great that do that it's no that do I that. don't know <laughs> let's not go there yeah, we don't that. <laughs> no I'm like literally doing grabbing my arms right now um okay so I one of my follow-up questions was like why I wash our face in the morning do we really get the filthy while we sleep? But maybe not. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, there's two big trains of thought. One is that you should wash your face twice a day. And I think that is related to brushing your teeth twice a day. It's just easy to do. It's now part of our routine. Anything more than twice a day, pretty much everybody in the expert world uh, considers that as too much. So two is pretty much it, unless you're playing heavy sports or you just rolled in mud, literally. Yeah, of course, wash yourself off if you'd like to, that doesn't count. But regularly, more than two times a day is completely unnecessary. And then now a lot of people are moving towards, or a good group of people who believe in natural medicine and organics and letting the body recover from all the stress we're putting on it. They believe that we should only wash our face once a day. And I, did not thoroughly think about this before I started doing it, but I only wash my face once a day. I, I use a long acting medication or let's say uh, topical that acts for about 18 hours. And so when it does that, there's no need to wash it off in the morning. I wake up, I splash a little water around my eyes and my mouth um, because I think those areas are more sensitive and can use a little pick me up. And then I put moisturizer on and I still, and I can put other topicals, but I still have the active topical from the night before. And I didn't sweat at night. I wasn't running a marathon. I was sleeping with a night mask. So maybe it traps a little stuff there. But other than that, I sleep, they slept like a vampire. So you sleep, wait, you sleep with a what mask? Like the eye mask? Uh, a mask? eye mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I cross my arms and I fall asleep and I, you, close my eyes and, you sleep and then I wake up like that. like facing up yeah and, <laughs> and I think it freaks out every partner I've ever yeah, had no and I warn them ahead of time that I will just open my eyes at a certain time and then get up <laughs> and that's literally what happened um and so there's there's no need to wash my face anymore I don't find so um and I think part of that because I'm so busy in the morning 
and I only started doing that six months ago, eight months ago when I started my new job is not washing in the morning. And I have found that my skin feels so much more dewy and ready for the day. And I don't feel like it's getting greasy or dirty unless I play sports or I'm running around in the afternoon, evening, and then I can feel it. But I think I'd feel that anyway. So I, I really like and favor now washing once a day. So as you're saying, I'm thinking maybe I should do that. But, and this is a problem again, and we'll talk about it more with like the multi-billion dollar beauty industry that I also, the last step of my night skincare routine is an oil. Mm -hmm. So that you definitely have to wash off in the morning in order to put the the other products that need to go on your face. (laughs) I think, yeah. Yeah. And it depends what you're washing for. I think mm. if you're washing to get rid of a layer so you can put other layers on, absolutely, because the oil will be a barrier. But cleanliness, I, I think it goes, I want to hear more about this multi-billion dollar industry, cleanliness, because I think that is super interesting. Yeah. And and we will, I did have the question of like, so sweat is understood to, it needs to be washed out. Like it's not good to sit in your sweat. Sweat, there's no, there's no benefit in sitting in your sweat. Okay. So it's, but is it harmful? Is it harmful? It is not harmful to the skin as far as I understand. Okay. I think it'll collect and it'll uh, induce body odor. It can clog your pores theoretically, but less and less do we actually care about the clogging of the pores. And we understand that it's more of a, a microbiome issue, a, a health issue deeper down. And it's not just a scrubbing process that you did or didn't do. Um, and so I, I think another part of what your routine was, was a foaming cleanser, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. The foaming cleanser I want to talk about because I think it's super interesting. So the foaming cleanser, part of this big industry of cleanliness is a very uh, clean feeling application. When we do it, we feel like we are scrubbing and you can see it and it bubbles up and it looks looks so pretty. And, but in order to make anything, any liquid foam, you have to put a chemical into it. There's nothing in our environment that foams naturally. But everything is chemicals, right? (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Correct. Everything is chemicals. You are right. But you have to add a very potent chemical in order to make it foam, an unnatural potent chemical. And because nothing naturally foams, we can't trap a bottom of a waterfall or a wave in into a bottle. We have to add something to it to make it foam at that moment because it comes as liquid. And so when it, when you're doing that, oftentimes they're putting in well, we don't need to go into exact molecules. They're, they're putting in sulfates, but those sulfates are very potent astringents, which means that they're potent dryers of the skin. They're chemicals that make it foam, but at the same time, they're drying you out. And so it feels like you're getting really clean, but at what cost? Right. And I think they look cool and, they, and they're beautiful, but that's one of the first things that I tell patients to get away from is foaming. <laughs> I'm thinking like, how much did I spend on this thing that I'm going to have to throw? <laughs> no, but I, I, I think that this is so 
interesting that like everywhere I see you should do a gentle cleanser. They're all foam. And, and there is this need to sell other products that hydrate, right? Like I do the moisturizing toner. Um, sometimes in, instead of the vitamin C serum, I do hyaluronic acid, which mm -hmm. is supposed to be um, also like hydrating. So there's just this huge emphasis on like hydrating your face, but here's a cleanser that you have to use. That's actually like drying you out. Like that's, Mm -hmm. That's kind of genius. <laughs> if, if, if there is a Machiavellian like <laughs> goal, yeah. which I, you know, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. Like I think there, there is. Cause like, that's what marketing is. Um, and you have to I'm continue to grow and grow and grow. I'm just like, I'm with you. Beautiful uh, word by the way, Machiavellian. But I, I think it's, I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I do, I tinfoil hat, I have plenty of them and I, and I think there's a greater industry. And I think, there are companies that spend billions of dollars figuring out how to market properly and they are so good at it. And in order to sell you trillions of dollars worth of material and the cosmetic and beauty industry is a trillion dollar industry. And that's not dermatology. That's not fixing health problems. That's just selling you stuff to make you go from pretty to beautiful, quote unquote, right? right. That's, that's the whole system. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I think um, so. So, what products, you know, do you think you collected because of that? Oh, I mean, I used to wash my face, and then with one of those. Um, oh my god, this was so bad! Like those exfoliating ones with the little, um, how do you say, like the little drops? I don't like the little scrubby thingy. Like an exfoliator, like a physical exfoliator oh. that had uh -huh. um, like a minty feeling, if that makes sense, which I think when you were talking about how like the foaming cleanser just makes you feel cleaner. I feel like having yeah. it wasn't mint, maybe it was. I think it was. I don't know. Minty. It was minty. And I feel like mm -hmm. it just felt, felt cleaner. Fresh. Right. It was menthol, <laughs> menthol flavored. <laughs> like, I think it, it there's no need for that, but it definitely makes you feel better right and then I would just do mm -hmm. a moisturizer um and then eventually did the SPF but like the toner and the serums I had no idea they existed I feel like I've seen more TikTok and Instagram dermatologists talk about vitamin C is like actually helpful um but toners I've never seen any hard evidence that they help I just do it in case they do <laughs> In case they do, and, and it's everybody's doing it. So you feel this, this rush of, okay, I'm getting left behind. And if everyone's doing it, then there must be something to it. And I think that's the genius of marketing because it's so hard nowadays to tell the difference between what actually works and what doesn't, what do we believe in and what are we just trying as a fad? It's, it's so uh, overwhelming when yeah, you get on there. I, I think it's a good time to bring in, um, so... A phrase that I commonly will say is I read this art article in the New Yorker, <laughs> but this one I did and then um, figured out that the author is uh, Brooke Jarvis. And this was published in July 27 of 2020 and it's called Rethinking the Science of Skin. But it's it's a summary of those of two books and one I already mentioned, um, but there's one called Clean the New Science of Skin by James Hamlin. And he talks about not having showered 
in five years. He rinses off every so often, but has not showered. Um, says he smells like a person, <laughs> which we don't know what that means. Um, but basically he talks about how in America, soap for the skin only came into the picture in the 19th century, that there was leftover like animal fats from the meat industry. And so they created soap for people and then had to figure out a way to market it to people. And so that early soap companies were the ones that developed like marketing strategies that we have today. And the very fun, like little trivia that now I love to tell people is that they were doing sponsored content. So they had, um, they had TV shows sponsored by soap companies. So they became like soap, soap operas, um, which is why now we just call them that. But the first one was um, funded by Procter and Gamble. Like it was a soap company. And I would just, we just call them soap operas, even though they're not really sponsored by soap anymore. And it's just wild. Um, wild. <laughs> but, but part of it was, was creating fear in people that they weren't clean, that the term BO only came in the marketing of that, that pre 19th century is 1800. <laughs> but like pre, yeah. <laughs> pre um, before television, all of that, like the term BO didn't, which is body, body odor, um, mm -hmm. wasn't a thing that people were talking about until there was a need to sell soap. And so now we don't like it when people smell like people, <laughs> but it was not a thing, you know? Not a thing. Oh yeah. T tin foil hat, not needed. I think hundred percent true. Like same thing with halitosis. My dentist friend was raving about that was halitosis is completely made up marketing term for bad breath. It, it, they just gave it a medical diagnosis and their objective was to induce embarrassment in women. And they had all of these very sexist ads about how it's like guys walking away from dancing with a girl and smelled her breath or smelled her armpits. And that's where they get deodorant. And so it's, it, the marketing is genius. And they had those admin, right? Madmen is based on all the, and it's just, and they preyed on embarrassment and fear and stigmas. And, and then here we are, but. And especially to women, that's funny, but that ad was that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 You would think, I would think that if we're going to market clean products, I think men are the least clean. And so we should start there because that's the biggest room for improvement. But they, I guess right. they went with women. I feel like because we're also just, and this is another like uh, feminism, uh, but no, it's um, we've women, we're just so much more accustomed to being valued by our appearances what we look just our physical we and mm -hmm. I was talking to a friend about this it's like sometimes you walk into a room and like women think are thought of as ornaments right like what have I have to mm -hmm. offer what am I wearing what do I look like if I smell bad and men are more often valued by like what they do um mm -hmm. you can be like you can be a funny guy. You can be the smart guy. You can be like athletic guy. But if you're a woman right. who's ugly and are ugly, you know, uh, quote unquote, but yeah. you're funny, 
you're not gonna get very you're not gonna be like the funny girl like there's so many times that women we go out with a guy who's not good looking we're like but he's so funny or but he's so smart everything Mm -hmm. and with women there isn't that as much you know it's like if if you're not conventionally attractive it's just way way harder because it's like that's what you're you're valued on um and so I think I mean especially with with skincare I think I think it is starting to um like spread to to men and I will say like in the gay community which they also have a lot Mm -hmm. of the same issues as women with like eating disorders body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. that the skincare thing is like really big um yeah I forgot you know I'll I'll tell you (laughs) I I you know I, I think your point about women is is so good um i want to touch on gay men before we move on because i think gay men have some of the best skin out of any group of people they 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 are just so good at skin it's impressive in the derm community in the cosmetics community i think they have a combination of uh, aggressiveness and uh, dedication to their skin that is so impressive but the woman being ornaments i think is so true and i saw it last weekend with uh the wedding i haven't been to a wedding in forever i've been to a social event in forever and everyone looked beautiful everyone looked absolutely beautiful and you're at a distance and so you were able to see them in this ornate uh colorful and all the guys had suits and it was very uh you know you talk about what you do maybe um, and, but the woman looked absolutely beautiful. The female partners, they um, were spinning around and dresses and it really exemplified what you're talking about with the ornaments. And I think, yeah, that really goes back far and so hard to pull those apart and to get rid of that uh, constriction on the gender. Um, and, and, I think, and I think that's what gives me pause sometimes with skincare is that to some extent it is it is beautiful and it is fun to celebrate yourself and to work on yourself and i I think i believe in that more than anything in this world and i think everybody deserves that and i would love to help any single person with that but at the same time it cannot be done to a point where it's a shackle and it puts women especially or people who succumb to that pressure uh, or were forced by that pressure to keep up with all this and to try all this and to make sure that their skin is clean and to, and to be told that their skin is not clean. All of that is perpetuating this beauty standard that we've established for since before the 1800s or whenever this stuff started. And so it, it, that stuff makes me hesitant at times when discussing all this, because ultimately it's about decreasing the amount of stress that you have to make you happy so that you can be who you want to be on the inside and, and contribute what you want to do. And so you can walk into a party and not just be an ornament and to uh, provide um, yourself and others, your, your true self. And so, uh, so, and that's what, you know, the double cleansing and the, and the, the foaming and the micellar water, some of this stuff is really cool. I mean, a lot of it's really cool. And I nerd out about all of it, but, uh, but when it starts causing anxiety, always too much yeah that's um yeah I wonder if we should do an episode on like what brides do with their skin like before the wedding because I know yeah not to name names but there's like Botox and changing like your some people get surgery teeth blah blah blah, and it's like so wild that the day when you're like 
marrying the love of your life or you're, you know, uniting two, two lives, whatever it is, that it just becomes so fixated on, on what you look like, especially like the bride has to, you know, like the first thing they ask is like, oh, are you going to go on a diet? It's like, it's, it's wild. Um, and the other thing it's, um, yeah, it's so funny that you talk about like skincare up to the point where it causes anxiety um because I I recovered from an eating disorder so I think I did a lot of work on not on moving away from valuing like what I look like as as that being like my value right like I think Mm -hmm. personally and what I know from a lot of people is that once you when you recover from an eating disorder you're saying like I'm giving up on the idea that I will be like this thin person that I always wanted to be and so mm-hmm. you kind of have to say, okay, that's not what I offer anymore. What else do I offer? And like, it's so liberating because you're like, oh, I'm actually really funny. Or, you know, oh, I, I love reading Dune and I can talk to you about that for hours, whatever that is. But then, um, and I think the pandemic had something to do with it. With, like I said, that's when I started getting into skincare. Um, and then there's all these stresses. And there was a time where I just was not going out into the sun at all because I was like, the sun is bad. The sun will age me. I need to be young forever. And so, and so if I walked outside, I was wearing my mask, sunglasses, a cap, like just not being in the sun at all. Um, to the point where it was like, kind of like, I just started to have these intrusive thoughts. Like if I woke up and there was like light coming through my windows and I was like, but I haven't put on my SP through the windows, like at 7 a.m you know just really wild and then I went to get like some blood work done and my vitamin d was low which is also Mm -hmm. affects your mood so yeah yeah it's like yes we're spf yes don't suntan or whatever but I I realized I have to check myself because I have a lot of like tendencies towards OCD that I have to be wait I'm actively avoiding the sun and I'm I'm not deficient in this vitamin d it's like I have to reel it back (laughs) and then like okay, going out during the day and not wearing a hat. This is, this is who I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Find a happy medium. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Intrusive thoughts. Yeah. As soon as it, I think that is such a good therapy word that I do not fully understand uh, because I have not experienced it to the, to a point where I uh, intellectualized it and discussed it. And I think it is so powerful to, to figure out when something is intrusive in your life yeah I think the because we all have things that we get worried about that we think about I think the the line for me is like when it is stopping you from living your life as you wish you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. especially with with eating disorder like disordered eating which is not an eating disorder it's so prevalent in America it's I think 75 percent of women have it um, people are constantly thinking about like what their next meal is going to be, or like what they have to do to make up for the meal that they had, or what is, if you can't log this, this food in your calorie counter, like all these things. And like, I think it's fine to think about it, especially in a society where like thinness is the ideal, but when it's sort of like, oh, I don't want to go to this dinner party because I don't know the calories that are going to be in that meal or mm. if if you're having fun with your friend and you're worried about like well are we gonna you know I'm supposed to like eat within this diet or whatever that's that's I think when like for me it was like oh 
I'm worried about like the sun coming in through my blinds um, and like actively like not going outside because the sun is going to age me. That's when I'm like, all right, that no, <laughs> I need to like put a stop to that because that's when it's too much. Obviously, it's good that I think about it and then I put the SPF. But when it's kind of like starting to drive my behavior in a way that doesn't really make sense, that's when you have to be like, ah, I spot you. I need to like. Mm -hmm recognize it and then it intrusive thought by definition is you can't put it away but you have to recognize it and ignore it um, mm -hmm. yeah I, I feel that I and I think you learn that with age I had that thought with my skin actually early on and that's what drives a lot of my passion with my research in the skin of color is that when I was younger I was dark I mean I used to train for tennis and I'd go for the summers in Sacramento and I'd be out all day I didn't wear sunscreen and nobody nobody had any awareness for sunscreen and sun protection in the dark skin community and I would get so dark I'd get purple I'd be this metallic sheen purple and and everyone thought I was an islander of some kind like nobody knew where I was from I was just like looked so indigenous and I would be so scared after that when I got to the point of puberty and dating and I was told that light skin is better it's, it's a common trope in the Asian community and I didn't want to go outside it was like no one's gonna find me pretty and I like girls and I want them to like me and I so I can't go outside and and I loved playing outside I played sports my whole life I still play sports I play a lot of pickleball and which is a sport I recently picked up and it's so fun and I love to be outside and I get stuffy. I actually have allergies pretty badly when I'm inside and I have a lot of dust. So I need to get outside and I wouldn't because I was scared to get darker and I wouldn't go to the pool and I wouldn't go, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the beach, but I wouldn't go to the beach party and, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, or, and I didn't know how to wear a hat as small head. So I couldn't wear a hat. So I, it wasn't as easy for to protect from the sun. So I was, I, yeah, intrusion intrusion and, and I think I never want anybody to feel like that especially a young boy or young girl or young you know kid whatever they want to identify as and I but darker skin and that and that stigma and so and that is what something that I can relate to in terms of intrusion I know it feels real yeah and it, it's wild because it just robs you of life right like I it's it's super bittersweet to think about like all of the parties or all of the hangouts that I could have gone in if I wasn't worried about like well, I will, I will miss my workout or I will not like be able to eat this amount of calories and like you worrying about getting darker, like all the things you miss out on. And it's like, it's just so, I was going to say annoying. It's more, it's frustrating that like, there's just, it's, it's part of the whole thing. It's, it's the like beauty culture that we have that has a very specific idea of what is beautiful. And then if you don't meet that, like, you 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 feel like you're not going to be happy like that that's the only way you can be happy it's like by being beautiful mm -hmm. it helps sometimes <laughs> oh it, it it helps like <laughs> there's all these studies where beautiful people like get less harsh uh prison sentences they're just like get evaluated better a job interview <laughs> it's it, it sucks it, it you know it's it's so funny because um part of me has all these ideas of like yeah, I shouldn't be, you know, judged by what I look like. I have a brain, da, da, da. But there's also, and 
I I also want to like I said before like I want to look like a fetus I want to be young forever the fact that I went into the pandemic in my mid-20s and I'm coming out late 20s I'm very bitter because because I know that the world is a certain way not that it should be but I know that as as women like by the time you look 50 you're kind of invisible and obviously there's really notable exceptions but the for most people it's this I was reading these really amazing interviews with women talking about how they just become invisible. Like once they hit a, hit a certain age, like people don't even look mm-hmm. them in the eyes anymore. Like they're the supermarket. Mm-hmm. No one makes room for them. It's like, you kind of just like, so, so there is this, this like need to survive that I have in mind that it's like, yeah, that's not how it should be, but that's how it will be. And obviously Mm -hmm. the women talk about finding meaning and all these other things. It doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. your life is over, but, but it's terrifying, especially I'm just like aware that I have like young privilege. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's so interesting. Young and and beautiful privilege. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, you know, I've never, that phenomenon is, it's so eerie that it it lingers in the future and that it's a, a guarantee of society to some extent. And it cuts both word, ways, I'm sure, because it, I, I know I have friends who, once they finished college and they started working and they put on some weight, they weren't working out all the time and they couldn't drink all the time. They had that some similar phenomenon that you're describing where it's like, oh, I'm not approached the same uh, out in public. I, I don't get drinks or I don't um, get hit on all the you, time. You want to hear the, the most depressing statistic ever? Yes. Um, yes for for dating app uh, data that was collected and analyzed, they found that the this is a podcast, but so basically, men men's um, like rates so or like how much they were liked, not so much matching, but like how many likes they received, increase mm-hmm. up until fifty, peaks at fifty, and then goes down. Mm. For women, it starts at its peak at 18 and then just goes down 18 18 year old girls women get the most likes and then just as as you keep going along like 25 26 fewer 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 fewer. (laughs) so it's like it it's crazy that um that the most quote-unquote desirable match is an 18 year old technically woman but I was a kid <laughs> like my brain was not oh, yeah. fully developed like oh, 18. prefrontal cortex I was not making good decisions and, right. and, and that's like, when you have the most choices right and that I know personally I've become way more confident in who I am as I age and I've talked to my older sister and it seems like just by aging you kind of just stop stop giving so many fucks about a lot of things mm-hmm. and it's it's those women who are having trouble <laughs> finding a, a partner, myself included. Which, which is which is so ironic because I I think that is the co- confidence for anyone is such a sexy trait to start finding yourself and be more confident and knowing what you want and yeah to be valued valued less than when you're younger and and more naive and eighteen a teenager. It's it's. Okay, so now my friend told me this recently, I, and I and I feel like it's related to what we're talking about. Is he is on dating apps, and he has found that, and I have not been on dating apps for a while, but he has found that 
uh, all the profiles are very similar. All female profiles are very similar and very developed, very well curated, very advanced. Whereas male profiles supposedly are not that great and they're not advanced and they're not curated well and they're not that similar, maybe for better or for worse. And I never noticed that. And then I, and he showed me and it, and it seems pretty darn true. Here's, here's what I think is happening is that men create profiles with the male gaze in mind. They put in their profile okay. what they think, what they would want is to see. They would, they will put a picture of themselves shirtless because they kind of uh -huh. want to see women like showing off uh -huh. their bodies. So they think uh -huh. we want to see that, you know what I mean? Right. And do you, and to clarify, you do not want to see that or you do. I personally do not like it. All those gym pictures. I hate them. Automatic swipe left. I'm also a very gym judgmental, <laughs> judgmental person on the apps. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's so many people. And when you say gym pictures, are they like working out or? Yeah. They will take pictures of themselves just at the gym. It's like with like those muscle shirts. Some are no. showing off their, yes, their legs. I mean, no. oh, I will, I will send In you. the mirror or like a friend is taking a picture of them? In the mirror. I will send you the best ones. There's, there's just a very amazing ones. Um, they, they will post pictures of themselves like with a large group of friends. You don't know who uh, they are. They'll be yeah. drinking beer. It's just like, it yeah. looks like they're trying to rush a fraternity. Um, <laughs> and like women were looking for, is he going to, like, I'm not speaking for all women, but like, we're like, oh, like, does this profile say stability and protection? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Reliability. Right. We <laughs> listen. And, and with women, I think, um, we are so much better at taking photos just because we kind of have to be right. Um, mm -hmm. And that was something else and total sidetrack. But remember how we were talking about how the face is just a focus. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's becoming more intense now that we're FaceTiming so much and taking selfies. Like, Oh yeah. Like we're not showing up for all of our body. Like it's just so focused on the face that I, I, you know, and now with filters, it's just like, you want your face to be perfect because it's like what everybody sees. Um, yeah. I, th I think there's a there's an old Japanese proverb that I absolutely love and it's with a piece of art. And it's that Jap the Japanese tradition believes that you have four faces. One you show to the world, one you show only to your closest friends and family, one you show to yourself and one you and no one ever sees. And I, and I think to me, it, it describes that the proximity to which you keep yourself. And, and so when we're doing all this FaceTiming and Zooming, it feels like people are so close to us in our face. And it feels like that those layers that you can keep, those faces that you can keep distance between you and, and the world is getting uh, shortened. And it I think induces anxiety when somebody's that close to your face, unless there's somebody that you love. And when there's so many people, it feels like you can be judged so easily. And so I, I have patients who come in and be like, they say just that, that, I mean, not in all those words, but they say what you're saying where they, um, they're always on zoom and, and they, and they're thinking about their face a lot more and I have a lot more patients coming in for acne and, and for smaller things. Yeah. No. And also I feel like, the majority of people could be wrong but like when we're facetiming we're looking at ourselves <laughs> you know what i mean so it's just like you're kind of having a conversation with your sister or whatever and you're looking at your own face it's like 
really just not something that when you're okay I was wearing yoga pants that do not match because I was like my leg will not be in the frame um (laughs) but that when I'm having a conversation with someone in person I'm not looking at myself I'm seeing their reactions I'm paying attention to their body language when I'm talking with someone over FaceTime I am looking at myself even you know what I mean it's it's just so focused on what you look like and then and with selfies yeah taking pictures looking at ourselves and like oh I don't like that picture I don't like me there there's there's this thing on TikTok that's happening where you put a filter um, or an effect. <laughs> I'm too old to know the difference. But it basically shows you on your camera what you look like. It inverts you. And what? It's like inverting. So basically when you okay. look at your front-facing camera on your phone where, when you're FaceTiming or taking a selfie, it's yeah. showing you like in inverted that's not how people see you right right so there's a a filter or an effect on tiktok that switches that so you can see like how people really see you and it's oh gotcha super weird i i did it and it you look like a different person and it's really like, it's it's kind of like you go through an identity crisis you're like <laughs> i do not look to other people like how i think i look because that's the thing about the mirror or the front facing cameras that that's you're, that's not what you look like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. That is so trippy. I would love to see that. I'm sure that I am not technologically capable of getting <laughs> myself to that point where I can see it. But if somebody shows me, if one of the, one of my younger friends, yeah, find yourself a Gen Z, <laughs> find yourself a Gen Z demand. Right. They will know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I know. I, that, that's so funny. I, when I was on the dating apps, I, and I had, set the age range there at some point it was like post-college uh age range was just too young for me that I just knew that at some point I got to where I was like I'm just going to disappoint you I I do not have the energy nor the capability of messaging consistently or being connected in the same way and it was that's when I realized uh crossed over yeah oh and you went off the app I, that's that's not why I went off the apps, but that's oh, okay. I did remove that age range where it's just like this is okay, good for okay. you, this is good for me. Nobody's gonna be happy. <laughs> well, let's not do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last thing is, I'm sure you've heard about this, but there's all these filters on Snapchat and Instagram and um, what else? TikTok that just make you prettier. <laughs> there was this. This is the first one that I ever used, and this is going to date me. I was in Snapchat, and there was a kawaii filter, which means cute in Japanese. And it uh-huh. it smooths out your skin. It makes your cheekbones, like, a little bit more defined. It kind of, like, sucks in a little bit, so you have, like, cheekbones. And it makes your eyes, like, slightly bigger. So you look mm. cuter, <laughs> but you don't look yeah, cartoonish. Like, like, I see. And it started to a point where, like, I wouldn't put any pictures of myself or do any videos unless I had that filter on um because you just feel so ugly in your regular one I had to I had to stop because I was like no I hate I hate my face when it's not filtered but there's this new epidemic of I'm gonna call it epidemic but there's uh, a lot of plastic surgery um plastic surgeons are seeing women come in and say I want to look like this and just showing Mm -hmm. basically put a filter on my face like I want what is going on here which is you know maybe like cheekbones and fillers and da 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 
and it's just wild that there's this algorithm that says this is what we find beautiful let's apply mm-hmm. it to your face and then we're mm-hmm. going out into the real world and saying i want to look like this and it's happening especially to influencers who are always posting with with the filters and they're saying i don't look like this in real life like i i have oh, to now um whoa yeah i feel like there's that like the identity crisis you talked about i feel like i we know that there's a rising rate of depression and anxiety highly correlated with social media use and, and i think it's oversaid maybe or maybe undersaid how much that's related if you have to see yourself all the time and you have to analyze yourself and uh say tell yourself you look bad by saying i don't like that picture i don't like this picture or i need to look like this it's so unrealistic and that is an epidemic it is an epidemic right the rising yeah. depression anxiety rates in kids is is so unfortunate tagged pictures that's- can ruin your day <laughs> they will shatter your reality <laughs> I've tagged, been, tagged pictures yeah i've been recently getting tagged by sisters my sister you know wedding events and i just see a picture and i have to do everything in my power to not untag it because it's it's a big celebration for her but i look and i'm i'm you know screenshot i send them to my friend i look pregnant what's happening and this is just <laughs> like this is just like what you look like in a split second based on the mm-hmm. lighting you're two-dimensional two-dimensional yes two-dimensional which is not what I am I'm you know mm-hmm. like when you see me in person I do not look like that picture and it's just so yeah. hard to understand because it's a picture it's a picture but no it's like it depends on angles again you're not flat <laughs> so it's yeah. just like but we're looking at ourselves being flat all day and then yeah I yeah. don't know uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that we've the derailed from, from I, I know I don't know where we started <laughs> no no but go ahead <laughs> I, I, I do I do want to get back to uh, something term related <laughs> at some point, but um, because nobody wants to hear me talk about influencers. I, I do love when I see pictures of influencers who say, oh, this is what my body looks like with this angle. And this is the same body without the uh, optical illusions that they what you do with clothes and angles and um, and I think it goes back to dating apps. When I first started dating apps, I got catfished because I didn't understand angles. I was the per. I mean, that's I went not on a date catfishing. I could not even say. That's misleading. I, I think, <laughs> is, it, is it not the same? I didn't. I no. don't know. I guess that I don't know what catfishing is. What's catfishing? Catfishing is Different. me using your pictures like just a completely different person. Oh, completely different. Yeah. Well, they look like a different person because when I showed up, listen. <laughs> <laughs> no I recently went on a date um and truly did not recognize this man because we're wait we're wearing masks and he shows up and he's a lot heavier than he was in his pictures which I have no issue with like no shade but I truly did not recognize him that's like how different it was and I was like until he called me and I was like oh my god because you you're wearing the mask so it's like yeah less information <laughs> yeah yeah. but yeah the mask can't help (laughs) but but yeah the the angles of the photos um has a lot to do with it and I think women just we're better at it oh for sure yeah you know what I found is men and not to derail the conversation into dating app experiences I will talk for hours about that I feel that men look better in person 
is what I found. Sometimes I'll think the guy is not that cute. I'm like, oh, whatever. Mm. I go out and I'm like, oh my God, you're cute. You just don't know how to take pictures, which is like so refreshing. It's like over, what is it? Under sell over deliver or something like that. But that's what women yeah. should be doing. We that's should be, we should, should be, be looking real ugly in those photos and then showing up. Like, that's what, that is what women should be doing. I, I, I think, uh, and I, I think, is it, okay, no, I have a question. Is it real or is it just like a joke at this point or a combination of how much of both that men hold a fish in their pictures? It's real. Oh, very real. Yeah. And I don't know what it means. I think it means I can provide for you. Um, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I, I never want to see a dead animal on. No, I don't like it one bit. I don't know who does. <laughs> it doesn't sound like anybody does. I once saw a guy with a shark terrible i mean and sometimes it's a tiny fish sometimes a big fish i'm just like am i supposed to well am i supposed to think it's related to something else like are you making Mm -hmm. up for something like i don't know yeah i don't know yeah how do you interpret (laughs) (laughs) i yeah i I always see the memes and i i never know it's like i you know because and i think that is so interesting that uh, women share their profiles with each other which i also recently learned is common is that you, you can get you know, we were, you were saying the males are by the male gaze, but I think it's also by our own gaze. Like, I, I just don't have that conversation often where I show my profile to a friend and he shows me his. Maybe we do it more in privacy, secrecy. It's not that we're ashamed. I think it's just not a topic of conversation. At least I haven't experienced. But when my female friends say that they sh- have shared their profiles and they'll do it openly and fun. And Oh, I will text a picture and be like, is this a profile picture or not? Or like A or B? or you know what I mean I I love asking my guy friends for their profiles because I'll fix them up um our friend Khan had a ridiculous ridiculous profile um where he had all of his photos were from a cowboy photo shoot so you can't tell that it's a joke it's a good photo shoot it's a great photo shoot but you can't tell if it's a joke if it's every single one it's a it's that's true and if you know him you would know it's a joke Yes, yes, but you don't know him. You're judging him by the pictures. And then one time, our other friend Scott, he sent me his, and I was like, "Okay, take out this picture, find a picture of yourself in at a wedding with a tux, find one with your mm-hmm. mom." Like, there's just all these things that, like, he thinks like, "Oh, you want to see me out in wilderness, and you can barely see my face." That's not what we want. <laughs> like, show yeah. us you love your mother. Show us you have a couple of good friends, but make it very clear who you are. Shows you own a tux or can rent one. <laughs> it's just like men are thinking like, oh, look, I'm in this like, he's a very naturey person. But it's like, if you can't see your face, we're going to swipe left. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, mm. I don't have time and not the NSA to like, you know, pixelate it and see your face and see if I think you're cute. No. You don't care about the activity. I am personally not a big nature person. So that's not a draw for me. But I think women just want to see what you look like. And guys will put pictures yeah. of themselves with a group of guy friends. And, you're like, and, and women do the same thing. Like, we'll put a mm-hmm. picture with two other girls. And you're like, Ooh. like, I, my yeah, issue it's is the worst. Like, it's the worst when it's the first picture. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. It's, what are you doing here? Mm. <laughs> had an amazing that's picture. That's where Waldo, completely. Yeah. I had an amazing picture of myself as Dora the Explorer. And my sister was a banana, which is always great. And everyone's like, oh, you're such a cute banana. And I'm like, that's. I'm sorry to disappoint you. That's my sister. Um, <laughs> so I just to get rid of it. <laughs> but, was it the first picture? No, 
no, I know better than that. My first picture is a close enough that you can see my face, but full body as well. So I don't want you to have to find out. Just just know right Which away. Which is very reasonable to ask for is just looks because what else can you get from a dating profile? Not a lot. Dating apps have changed a lot, you know? There's a lot of um, parameters. What's your opinion on length of texting before you meet in person? Not very long. I will say a day, and then you ask me out and set a date, and then I don't want to text incessantly until then. No, thank you. <laughs> it's just a check-in before the date. To yeah. Say, hey, a we're still on. Day before, hey, Looking tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Yeah. yeah. But if you're texting me, good morning, what are you up to? I'm out. <laughs> I have no time. You're not interested. We do not know each other. You're not interested in my day. <laughs> you're just trying to create a false sense of intimacy so that you're, I'm more likely to sleep with you on the first date. <laughs> Which you do not need to do, sir. I can figure that out on my own. <laughs> All right. Talk to me about my cellar water. Why is it yeah. amazing? Oh, yes. Why is it the new rage? And why do you not have to rinse it off? Yeah, let's let's talk about micellar water. And I will preface this by saying that I personally do not have a lot of experience with micellar water because it is, does not have a lot of medical uh, medical need for micellar water. It is a, an invention from France that is really cool, uh, and it it's called micellar water because it has lipids or oil inside the water and that form micelles. And it'll, that it's a, it's a chemistry equation that scrubs a lot of dirt away, which is awesome. And it's pretty much water. So it's, it's quite popular even in the medical community, though we don't use it to fix anything. It is respected and it's, and it's liked and, and it sounds like it's very, very popular. Yeah, I, I just assumed it was a like a naturally occurring water. <laughs> I had like no idea what water. it. Yeah, I was just it's yeah. I had no idea that it was like chemically. I guess all products, like we said, are chemicals, but I had no idea that's what that was doing. Um, but it is what I have been using for the past year. <laughs> so, I I think if you like it, you use it. I I haven't seen anything. Uh, I think cleansing is a lot to do with what you like doing uh, in order to get your routine going. And it's, it's not going to make or break you. It's, it, it just helps warm you up. It's like stretching and you um, it very much helps get everything else on the move. And so um, if you like my cellar water, go for it, but foaming. No. Okay. So we, we don't have a listener question today but I guess what I'm going to try and then report back is not wash with the the foaming cleanser <laughs> just do my yeah. solar water just remove one step from my routine and then see what happens I, okay I do think that from what I understand that you're best suited if you do my cellar water followed by a non-foaming cleanser oh so double cleanse. <laughs> double cleanse. Back to I double cleanse. Double cleanse. Okay. Yeah, back okay. to double cleanse. And I don't think we talked about double cleansing. Um, oh, okay. okay. Is that 
I, I do believe in the theory of double cleansing. What is the theory? It makes of sense. Why do I do it? <laughs> Tell me. So, so I don't think anybody's formulated this and I can't find the origin of double cleansing. Um, and I think there's some big proponents of it who are very popular, but the origin I'm unsure about, but I do believe them is that double cleansing. If you're using a, a not chemically infused, not foaming, not aggressive cleanser is two layers of washing, which is not a bad deal. As long as you're not washing for 10 minutes or forever, uh, when you cleanse to, in order to get some dirt off and let's say you just were sweating a bunch playing basketball and now you are trying to get all that off. A lot of people use a uh, exfoliant, exfoliant scrub and they'll scrub, they'll try to scrub off all this dirt because they think it's, they have to dig through rubble and get all this off. That's not the case. You, you have very gentle layers of skin on your surface. You're not going to, you're not gonna, you don't have to scrape it off. You don't have to peel it off. You don't have to scratch it, nothing. You really just need to give it some time to wash off, just nice, nice, easy flow. And so the, the cleansers will help break up that skin because the skin is attached together. Even when it's dead and on the surface, it's still kind of connected. And so the cleanser will help break that apart and let it fall off. And you know, when you get a haircut and then you go take a shower afterwards, the first time you get a haircut, they, they still like blow dry and they, and they still brush off all that hair, but it doesn't get all everything out. You still need another layer of just nice rinsing. And I think that's where the double cleansing comes into play where you get a nice exfoliation and, and rinse and then you do it again and it, you avoid some harsher ways to get rid of makeup. I think double cleansing became popular very much with makeup and for good reason, because you do have layers of thickness that has been packed down all day, which is its purpose is to stay nice and compact. So you need to get into there and take it off. And I think I think the clean, double cleansing system is very popular. My cellar water is great for taking off makeup, which is what we suggest it for often. And I think it avoids, I hope to avoid using the chemical wipes, I think. Though the makeup remover wipes, I think they are debated because ultimately that's chemicals. And, I, and you know, I'm an organic nut and I want to stay away from something that's pulling on the skin and adding chemicals to it, often has preservatives. Um, it's very, very manufactured. Yeah, I had to give up on those, but they're so practical. <laughs> I hear, yeah. I hear they're yeah. very practical. Yeah, but alas. Okay. So I will just try and switch up the cleanser yeah, to non-foaming. To non-foaming. Yeah. One step. Yeah. Okay. But still, still double. Still double. Still double. If you like double, I do double. <laughs> you can try once a day. You can try nightly. Um, no, but I think because of the oils that I put. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is, we will talk about at some point, but there is no evidence mm -hmm. that the oils help. There is none. Oh, another day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's close this out. Um, thank you for listening. And please, if you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on to not miss an episode of Getting Get Into Your Skin podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Get Into Your Skin Pod. 
and send your questions at getintoyourskinpot at gmail.com. Um, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.